Money Pit is brought to you by Isonine. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On air and online at moneypit.com. And we are here to help you with your home improvement decor projects. So help yourself first. We're standing by for your calls, your questions at one eight 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 Money Pit. 888-666-3974. And I can't believe it, but we are smack dab in the middle of holiday entertaining season. So this hour, we're going to have some tips to help you turn a ho-hum space into a complete home theater on a budget. You know, when you think of home theaters, you think of all the rich people out there that got the many movie theaters in their house. Nope, nope, nope. You can have one that fits just in your present living room, but gives you great sound and picture quality. We'll show you how. Plus, now that it's fireplace season, getting your chimney cleaned is a job that's both necessary, but it's also one that comes too frequently with those chimney contractors. You know, they come over your house, and then they start offering all kinds of fraudulent advice. They're really just hoping to get a whole bunch of money out of your wallet. We're going to help you sort out the facts from all the smoke. And we've got advice on a new and very green way to add insulation to your home and seal out drafts at the same time. So let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Chip in Arizona's on the line with a smoking furnace. What is going on? Well, it's not a smoking furnace. Um, What happens is when I light my fireplace in my living room and my uh, heater kicks on, uh, for some reason, it backs the smoke into the house, and I'm wondering what would cause that. When you light your fireplace and your heater kicks on at that same time? Yeah, we have a beautiful fire going. We're sitting there having a glass of wine. Uh, the uh, heater kicks on in the winter, and uh, all of a sudden the smoke starts coming out of the uh, vents, you know, the, the vents of the fireplace. Uh, the, the, flues, the flues open. The uh, chimney's clean, and the uh, air vents are opened. You know, I've been in construction most of my life. I I can't figure it out. So what I'm thinking is that you have a depressurization of the inside of your house. When you turn your furnace on, it's using so much air from the house to mix with the combustion gas that goes up the chimney that it causes a negative pressure inside your house. And as a result, it's affecting the draft on the fireplace. And if you shut the furnace off, then that stops, of course. Um, but no, I think probably what you need is more combustion air for that fireplace. And how do I do that? Is this an old brick fireplace or is this a modern metal fireplace? Uh, no, actually, it's a fairly new modern fireplace with the uh, you know the uh, chimney that goes up, the um, galvanized steel, black steel that goes up. There may be another reason for for this, and it might have to do with the mix of supply and return registers in that particular part of the house because. If you're pulling too much air on the return to the HVAC system, that could affect the draft for the furnace as well. I think that you may have a depressurization because of maybe the location of the return ducts. Maybe they have to be um, moved to the opposite wall or something like that. If they're on one wall and it's a partition wall, they could come through the other wall. But it might be that there's not enough uh, air supply into that room, and so you're getting a depressurization. That would make a lot of sense, and that would definitely cause the draft to reverse on the on the fireplace. Well, that's good to know. I, you know, I've been trying to figure it out. You know, and I'll tell you, I I, I don't get stumped too often, but that that stumps me. All right, thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. 
Cynthia, in New York, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I have a little cottage that I've been renovating. I put on a metal roof, and uh, I was advised that it would be a good idea to put gutters on this metal roof. Well, I had some old gutters, and I put the, had those put on, but I didn't couldn't get the connection to put the downspout, and that they are like three-inch square connections, like a little elbow thing to connect from the gutter to a downspout. Can't find any three-inch square connections anymore. So it was. Uh, I was told that there is a. I don't need. Um, Gutters. It's sort of like it's a um, a downspout. Yeah, Cindy. I know what you're talking about. There's a there's a product that uh, fits on the edge of the roof that uh, is not a gutter. It's called a rain handler. And the way a rain handler works is uh, as water comes down the roof, it hits this rain handler and it disperses the rain into a wider pattern. So it's not like the water rolls off your roof and hits the ground. I think it's okay in an area where there's not a concern about a wet basement and, and flooding around the foundation or erosion. If you're just trying to disperse that water, that's probably an option. But it's not a complete replacement for a gutter because a gutter is a water management system. And this is really a water dispersal system, if that makes sense to you. You can find more information on that product online. It's simply called rainhandler.com. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, guys, we are into December. I can't even believe it. This year is coming to an end. Everything is happening way too fast. I feel like I say this every calendar year. But before you know it, it's going to be super wintry all across this country. So what can we do to help you guys out? Get ready for the holiday and get ready for just the chilly weather ahead. We're here to help 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Or still to come, no need to spend big bucks on your entertainment space. We're going to tell you how to create your very own home theater on a budget after this. You live in a body pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Today's Money Pit is presented by Caseta by Lutron. Simple to use, simple to set up. Learn how you can win a $5,000 smart home upgrade at OurLifeUpgrade.com. No purchase necessary. Ends 12-15-16.
Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by for your calls at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. So, Leslie, i got to tell you a story about um, my daughter's apartment. She goes to college, and her and her roommates got a bill. That was unexpected from uh, the management company, and the bill had f- had some utility fees on it, which were expected, but then it had these service fees. It had about I don't know twenty bucks worth of utilities, which you expected, right? But then it had a fifty dollar fee and another twenty five dollar fee for paying the utilities because apparently what? the utilities didn't start the day they moved into this apartment; they started like two weeks later, and so. Because of that overlap, this management company decides, well, we're going to just charge you a service fee in the amount of $50 and then another $25 for paying your $20 of utilities. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I get on the phone and I call the office for her. And I'm like, would you please explain this to me? Like, oh, sir, well, it's in the lease. You know, you have to have the utilities the day you move in. It's in the lease. It's in the lease. It's in the lease. And I said, you know, I don't think we ever got a copy of that lease. Oh, well, we'll send it to you. So, of course, nothing shows up, right? Finally, I get the lease. Leslie, the lease is 23 pages long. 23 pages for a lease. I've never seen yeah, a lease but if this you, long. Who got the lease in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, I think with these, you know, with these kids, look, they're, they're renting apartments for the first time in their lives. They should have walked out of the office with it. For whatever reason, they didn't have it. But I got it. But this here's the best part. So guess what I did? I read the lease, and guess what? It's not in there at all. It's not in there. It was a, there was a fine for turning it off early before you move out, but there wasn't a fine for, for not turning it on early enough. That's complete BS. And the funny part is that they keep expecting that because they're kids. They're not going to look or pay, but they don't count on their parents who are savvy to really look into it. Well, and a lot of them don't, right. So I wrote a very uh, curt email to the management company and told them what I discovered, and guess what happened? Those fines came immediately off the account, and now uh, we're going to make sure that all the other kids that got these fines, too, know about this as well, because it's just not right. I mean, how dare they charge that kind of money? So so the, the bottom line is here that if you got a lease, you got to read it, and you might be surprised what you find in it, especially when there's this kind of a landlord dispute. I don't think they ever had a teed-off father read these leases before, but, <laughs> but now, now I think they'll be a little more careful. George in Pennsylvania is on the line with a bathtub question. I guess your bathtub's cracking up, but not in a funny way. <laughs> What's going on, George? Yeah, I just wanted, is there some kind of solution? Do they have plastic uh, tub? And uh, I got a crack in, in the floor of it. So I was really taking the whole tub out. I was just wondering, is there some kind of gunk or something we can put on that? Well, not gunk, but what you can do is you can rebuild it with fiberglass. And what you want to do is go to an auto parts store and you want to buy uh, some fiberglass repair material, and you, you're basically going to rebuild this as if you were, uh, you know, fixing uh, uh, your car after a crash. You know, when you apply the fiberglass base coat, and then you apply the fiberglass itself, and you build it up some layers of it, and then you put a gloss coat on top. It's going to look like a patch. But it does stick very well to those tubs, and it can take the flex, and it won't leak. I actually repaired a shower pan that way once, and it worked really, really well until I had the opportunity to tear the whole thing out. So you can do a good, pretty good job uh, with fiberglass. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You have a good, a good show you got there. All right. Thanks, George. Good luck with that project. 
Sherry in Texas is on the line with a siding question. How can we help you today? We had this little cottage moved in that uh, has siding on it, but we want it to look like the other outbuildings uh, and put redwood siding on it. To put siding over siding, do you use a special nail? Is it possible to do that, or do you use screws? Well, first of all, the siding that you have right now, is it flat or is it clapboard? What does it look like? It's flat siding. So like a plywood kind of a of a, of a surface? Uh, yes, yes. It's an ugly siding, and we want to go with a redwood siding. All right, so here's what I would do, and, and this is for a shed? Uh, yes, uh-huh. So what I would do is I would take building paper, tar paper or even Tyvek, but it's really not necessary, but just tar paper. I would put that up first, and then I would attach the siding on top of that, driving the nails into the original siding. You do not need to remove the original siding. That said, remember, if you've got doors or windows, you may have to build out the edge a little bit around to make up the difference because the siding is going to be thicker than the old stuff. Okay. All right. Put tar paper under it. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Sherry. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that we're in the entertainment season, we thought it might be a good time to talk about ways you can spruce up your entertaining spaces. And one project that comes to mind is building a home theater system. Now, that's one you might think is best left to those with the big budgets, but it's not so. All you need is some basic equipment and a sensible design that works to create the theater environment. And that's the key. So the first step is to kind of assess the space that you have to work with. You need to plan for some comfortable distance between your screen your speakers and your seating. But remember, a great home theater doesn't require a giant screen and a gazillion speakers that kind of shake the walls and shake the floors. You know, the ideal viewing distance from a television is usually just about two to two and a half times the width of the screen. So that can make it pretty compact. And as far as the gear goes, you know, the switch to digital TV signals over a few years ago pretty much made flat screens that are high def, very affordable. So, you know, pick one up, watch for the sales, get one that works for your space. And there's also these home theater in a box sets now that pretty much have everything, including the flat screen and the sound system built in for a really pretty affordable price. And you don't have to kind of assemble it yourself. In other words, you don't have to pick out all these different components that work together because it's kind of pre-designed. Yeah. And the other thing is you really don't need to spend a lot of money on new home theater furnishings or even redesigning the room because probably you've got everything that you need in your home already or easily accessible. I mean, you're going to need comfortable chairs and good acoustics. Now, upholstered couches and chairs, they're ideal, but you can also think about adding inexpensive sound-absorbing elements. So think about like area rugs and draperies. And remember, leather furnishings kind of bounce the sound around. So if you have leather already, just add some throw pillows or some blankets. So now the last thing you want to think about is lighting or more importantly, the lack of lighting because that is important for good home theater viewing. So two things. First of all, make sure you have dimmable lamps or lighting. It's easy to do. There are extension cords with dimmers built in, or you could replace your light switch with a dimmer. And some of these are even controllable from your phone. And then you want to choose drapes or shades that block the sunlight. Now, a good option are cellular shades. They come in either translucent or light blocking varieties. So if you order one that blocks light, you'll get a nice looking shade that can actually make your room a little warmer because they have sort of an insulation effect. And they can completely block out the light, which makes the theater room work. So some easy ways to create that home theater without spending a whole lot of money. And you can pretty much do it on a weekend and have it good to go for the next holiday party that you decide to throw.
888-666-3974 is our number. Give us a call right now with your home improvement or decor question. Claire in Maine, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I have a little problem with my water softener. Yeah, I uh, I seem to have nice soft water with it. Uh, the soap lather's good and everything. But when I wash my vehicles, and then one of those is black, after it dries, wherever there was any of the uh, droplets of water, when that dries off, I get all these little white deposits all over the vehicle. And I was wondering why, if it's soft water, why I'm getting those. Yeah, because it doesn't sound very soft. It sounds more like hard water. you got a lot of minerals in that. Now, the water that you're using to wash the vehicles, this is coming from the water softener? Yes, all my water, my hot and my cold, go through the softener. Including the hose bibs that you're hooking up to to wash the car? Yes. Well, I mean, obviously the water softener is not working correctly. You've got a lot of minerals in there, and that's what's showing up on your beautiful black car. Well, I know I had the uh, hardness checked about three years ago, and they they gave me a number of 23, and they set it at that, and that's where I've been going with ever since. Well, maybe it's time to have it serviced again and, and have it checked again, because things can change. Uh-huh. And that's that's got to be what's causing it, though. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Heading over to Florida, where Peter has lost power in the bathroom. Peter, what's going on, and can you see what you're doing? Yeah, I had a uh, GFI go bad. And and when I went to change it over, uh, for some reason, um, I couldn't get any juice to the receptacle underneath the sink. So I got juice to to, to where I put the new one in. But uh, So I went down to Home Depot and listened to you folks all the time. And uh, I got a new one, and the gentleman over there told me to find... Uh, you know the hot wires go and put them on uh, on the receptacle where it says line, and then the other the other two uh, hook up on the bottom of it. Peter, do you know that the ground fault circuit worked properly and then it stopped working? Y- yes, sir. So it worked properly and it stopped working. Have you considered the fact that the ground fault circuit interrupter could be doing its job and then there could be a problem elsewhere in the circuit? Yeah, I didn't give a thought about that. No, I didn't. So. I think that when ground fault circuit interrupters start to trip, people say, oh, it must be a bad circuit breaker. And they don't consider the fact that the circuit breaker is, in fact, doing its job detecting a diversion of current to a ground source and tripping to prevent you from getting a shock. So the solution wouldn't be necessarily first to replace the ground fault. I would investigate further to see what exactly is happening and causing that to trip. I think, based on your description of of what you've done thus far, that this might be just a little bit above your skill set. And while we can respect the fact that you're doing uh, this on your own, when it comes to electricity, you want to get it right. And if you were to miswire that, and in fact, perhaps you, you know, there are different ways to hook up ground faults. And if you do it one way, you can get it to trip and not protect the rest of the circuit. So it would appear to be working correctly when in fact it wouldn't. So I, this is not the kind of thing I would recommend that you do yourself, Peter, with all due respect. I would definitely have an electrician look at this because I suspect that the ground fault is doing its thing. They rarely go bad. And if it's tripping, it's probably tripping because something is going on elsewhere in the circuit. The ground faults will cover everything that's on that circuit. So if you had, for example, a loose wire somewhere down the line and that was causing uh, some sort of an arcing condition, that could trigger the ground fault to go off. So contact an electrician. This is the kind of job that you should not do yourself because I want to make sure that uh, the problem is what you think it is and it gets properly fixed. Peter, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Just ahead, Richard Trithui from TV's This Old House is stopping by with advice on how to get your fireplace ready for the winter and more of your calls at 888-MONEY-PIT. All right, hold the work. No one works in the house. Next calls for picture. Here we go. Picture up, standing by speed. Give me speed in three. It's all for the Money Pit in two, one, and action. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So have you had some leftovers uh, sitting around from Thanksgiving, or are they all gone by now? Uh, me? I, I made a turkey after Thanksgiving. We go away every year now. <laughs> Ever since Ed passed away, we go away for Thanksgiving. And then I want my own turkey, so then I make one like the day I get home. So I'm going to be eating this turkey pretty much until Christmas. Problem with that is uh, your microwave starts to smell like turkey, so I thought we would offer a pretty <gasps> simple, right? <laughs> A simple way to kind of uh, freshen up the microwave. Here's the recipe. Basically, you just mix a teaspoon of vinegar and lemon in a cup of water and then put it in the microwave for two minutes. It does a really good job of getting into all the nooks and crannies and kind of neutralizing any of the odors that are in the machine. And it will come out fresh every single time, especially ready for the next time you have to throw a turkey leg in there or whatever else. 888-666-3974. Hey, give us a call right now with your how-to question. Heading over to Alabama now, where Mary is trying to remove some old caulk from a bathroom fixture. What's going on? Hi. I recently was trying to remove the caulk from around my bathtub Okay. and cannot get it removed. I purchased one of the tools at um, Home Improvement Store, and it is so hard that it won't remove, and I'm worried about scratching 
the bathtub and the edge if I get a like a razor blade. Have you ever used a paint remover to move, remove layers of paint? Yes. Okay. Well, just like a paint remover will strip paint, there's a product called a caulk softener. And the caulk softener gets applied to the caulk, and it sort of reliquifies it, softens it up, and makes it a lot easier for you to scrape it out. So you want to apply the caulk softener first. Once it works and softens the caulk, clean it really, really well. The next thing you want to do is take a bleach and a water solution and wipe that seam down really well because you want to kill any bacteria that's in there. You want to make sure there's no mold spores that are left behind. And the next thing that you want to do is fill the tub with water. We always caulk tubs when they're full of water, and here's why. Because when the caulk dries, the the tub sort of comes back up. When you fill the tub with water, it sinks down. When you put the caulk in, uh, let the caulk dry, then you let the water out, the tub comes back up and compresses the caulk, and it's not likely to fall out again or pull apart again at the seam, okay? So those are the steps you want to follow. Start with the caulk softener, wipe it down with bleach and water, fill the tub with water, caulk it. When the caulk dries, let the tub water out, and you're good to go. Okay, can you recommend a good caulk to replace it with? Um, I would take a look at the DAP products that include microban. Microband is an additive that stops any mold from growing inside the gawk. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, the weather outside can be frightful. But in here, it's so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't maintain your fireplace, it can be downright frightening. And the song you just heard was sung by our friend Richard Trithui, the plumbing Equally and heating. Equally frightening. Yes. <laughs> Equally frightening. The plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House. And Richard, fireplaces are great for ambiance and maybe cutting your home heating bills a little bit. But if they're not clean, they can be doing more harm than good, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, all the, so many of the houses from that, when this part of new, the country was settled, those houses are all gone, not not from age, from, from, from chimney, fire, from chimney, chimney fires. fires that wow. sort of, you know, the, the principal heating source was those fires all, all winter long, and finally they just overheated, and then there'd be a creosote fire, and it was a big, it's a big deal. So moving into the fall, temperatures start to drop. What's the first thing that you would advise folks do to make sure their fireplace is good to go? Well... If you're going to really use your fireplace, if you're, going to, if you're going to burn one ambience fire a season, it's no big deal. But if you're really going to use that fireplace uh, a lot, call a chimney sweep. Hire a chimney sweep. Have them come in. Nowadays, they've got cameras that can go up inside. They can look for uh, what the lining condition is inside that thing. If there's breaks in the lining, there's a place where creosote and, and uh, uh, soot can get into get out of the chimney. It's not good. So... Uh, you know, chimney sweeps, we think about, you know... Uh, Mary Poppins? Yeah, Mary, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Chim- chimney, I was going to sing again. Yeah. Don't Chim- sing. Sorry. Don't sing. Uh, they're not like just characters in old movies. They are a, a professional organization uh, that, you know, there's really good ones out there. You got you should you should do your due diligence, though, because not everybody is that. So, you know, you want to look at the Chimney Safety Institute of America or somebody that's in the game right. that's been around for a while. Ask around. Yeah, we occasionally will get a call from somebody who's had a chimney sweep um, come to their house and it's almost the same, always the same pattern. Their inspection, quote unquote, fee is always very, very low. But lo and behold, yeah. they find tens of, yeah. of thousands of dollars yeah. worth of damage that immediately has to be fixed so your house yeah. doesn't burn into ruin. That's right. And sometimes that's right, but a lot of times it's just not. And they're trying to sell you something that you don't need. Yeah. So you do need to be very careful about choosing that pro. Now, if we do find damage, uh, you would think, how can you possibly repair something that's inside the chimney? What are the options? 
Well, you got to figure out where it is, and if it's near the top or near the bottom, we can get at it. You can often patch it. You know, you're still trying to get down inside of to an existing, uh, existing. Usually, it's an eight by eight uh, chimney liner. If it's the old clay style. Right. Uh, but nowadays, you can actually reline a chimney a variety of ways. One, you can reline it with a with a, uh, a cement that you actually inflate the equivalent of a balloon inside, and then pour pour concrete over to make a new liner. So but the it, balloon goes inside the chimney, right. and the concrete surrounds the outside That's of the right. chimney, and basically sort of cast That's right. a new liner. A new liner. Mm-hmm. And then you can also drop a new uh, proper gauge uh, smoke pipe down inside of a chimney, too. Sometimes that's your only choice. And, I mean, that's something that really needs to be done, especially if you're going for more uh, high-efficient heating options in your home. Well, we also should do—we should talk a little bit, though, about high efficiency. A fireplace, although it's lovely for ambience, that there reaches a point halfway through that fire that the amount of heat that you got from that fire is— it, it's over. Now, everything after that halfway point is just heat that's leaving your building right. and going, right going up, up through this. So there was a time that that was our only choice. But so we, we should be very clear about that the fireplace is not a principal source of heat in most cases. If, you, if it is, you should find a way that the air that is being burned in the fireplace comes from outside, not from inside the building. That means you put in a fireplace insert or some or the equivalent of a heat exchanger inside where the fire exists in the fire box and you see it, but you're not really letting the air that you're breathing come, come into that fireplace. So we're essentially supplying combustion air right. from the outside right. for the sole purpose of feeding the fire. Right. But we're still enjoying the heat on the inside. That's right. Now, I, I love the smell of a wood fire. You know, it's, everybody, everybody does. It's, it's, it's part of that ambience you talk about. But we see more and more at people's houses, they're, they're going with gas fireplaces. So they have that sort of look of a fireplace. And that is going to be vented with either a series of smaller pipes bringing air from outside and then venting. And many times they just don't even need a chimney. They just vent out to outside. And so uh, that's become the sort of convenience in America's uh, solution for that. But let's get back to a wood-burning fireplace for a second. You know, so many people want to use those wood-burning logs that are sort of those quick fire starters. Oh, yeah. And I feel like those are the worst things that you can do for your chimney. There's a fair amount of chemicals in them, and it's not just wood that's in them. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And so, you know, you got to worry about the buildup of creosote and other chemicals up there. The chimney sweep will do his visual inspection, and then he's got a series of brushes and vacuums that can go down and clean that thing right back to Bristol, right back to original condition. And then just you about, should only use seasoned wood. That's right. Yeah, it wants to be and wants to be dry enough too. If you if it's highly moist, you're also going to have in the process of combustion, you're going to have lots of moisture that can also stick on the side and and help to form that almost creosote paste, almost like a toothpaste mm-hmm. up inside up inside the firebox. And that's what gets danger if we if we do not. Clean clean the fireplace and you get the combustion uh, mixing with the moisture, yeah. you can get that creosote, yeah. which can stick to the sides, yeah. and then that could fuel a chimney fire, which is very, very dangerous. If you see flames coming out through the top of the chimney, it's not good. <laughs> Let's try to avoid that with tips from Richard Truthui, the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House. Thanks, Richard. Great to be here. All right. Catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you on PBS by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Coming up every once in a while around my area, we'll get a storm that leaves ice dams behind. And when that happens, leaks can end up inside your house. We'll have tips to help you keep clear of ice dams after this. You live in a body pit.
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to take your calls, your questions, your concerns about your house. What are you doing to fix it up? Need some advice on how to get started? Are you seeing a leak stain or a squeak or something else that just doesn't feel right? Give us a call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT. So a couple of years back, I was ready for a new roof on my very old house, and I decided that it was a good time to kind of step up my insulation as well. Now, I had fiberglass already, but it was kind of settled, and I had to do the roof anyway, so I figured, why not go all the way and get the underside of the roof sheathing sprayed with isonine, which is the spray foam insulation. And I liked it because I knew that not only would it add that extra insulation that I wanted to keep the energy bills down, but let's face it, my house was pretty drafty. I mean, even though I'm a home improvement expert, the house apparently didn't know that. And it was (laughs) pretty leaky, pretty drafty. It's a really old house. So the thing I like about the icing is it expands to fill all of those gaps. So it does sort of stop the drafts as well as add insulation uh, at the same time. So now my heating bills are down and the home is a lot more comfortable as a result. Yeah, you know, isonine is really a, a great product in itself, but it's also a good way to minimize the risk of ice dams forming. And when they form, ice dams can cause some pretty costly damage. Now what happens is the foam is going to keep the heat inside your house. It's not going to rise up and then melt the snow, which is then going to run down to your roof edge. And at the roof edge, it's where it's going to refreeze. And that could lead to the backup of water into your house. That's what an ice dam is. Yeah. When that happens, it gets everywhere and can be really expensive to fix. The water runs right down the inside of your house. Now, since I installed ice need at my house they actually have a new product out that is called classic max and what's different about it is it's a ultra low voc high performance open cell spray foam so you used to have to leave your house for about a day or so after they sprayed now you only have to leave for two hours because it's not releasing all of those vocs into the air and just like the original product it expands and seals all of those gaps so you get the insulation uh, and you get the draft proofing at the same time and this one's also green guard gold certified because it has such an ultra low voc emission so you can check it out at isonine.com Good stuff. Now we've got Joan in Illinois on the line who's dealing with a mold issue. Tell us about it, Joan. Well, I'm wondering what causes dry rot and how you can tell if you if you have it. Okay. Well, what are you seeing, Joan? Coming down to the floor, there's about an inch above, below the molding, and I took the carpet up, and I saw sawdust down there, and I wondered if it was dry Right. So first of all, there's no such thing as dry rot. There's only wet rot. Wood that gets wet, it gets over 25% moist, can start to decay. Then if that wood also dries out, that's what people call dry rot. But it's really sort of a a misnomer because it's not really dry rot. It's wet rot that has dried out. Oh, so we can't cause it by overheating or under humidifying a house. No. Well, not overheating, but if you if you over-humidify, I guess it's technically possible because you'd put a lot of water in there. But but no, you're not going to cause it by overheating. Now, in terms of what you're seeing under this molding, I think that would bear some further investigation. When you mentioned sawdust, I think about carpenter ants, for example. And so I, I would make sure that I know exactly what's causing this. One of the things that you could do is you could take a picture of it and you could post it to our Facebook page. 
at facebook.com slash the money pit. We'll take a look at it and give you an opinion. Uh, or you could post it to the community section at moneypit.com. How about that? That sounds great. All right, Joan, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Do it yourself or not. We've got tips on how to decide if a project is right for your skill level after this. 888-MONEY-PIT. The Money Pit is presented by ClickStudios.com, the smarter way to a designer kitchen. Submit your measurements at ClickStudios.com slash free and receive a free custom kitchen cabinet design. That's C-L-I-Q-Studios.com forward slash free. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, you might assume that Leslie and I are the ultimate DIYers, that we do every project in our homes ourselves. <laughs> Trying not to laugh out loud. <laughs> and i got to tell you, the reasons that we don't do everything ourselves are the same reasons that you might not want to do a project either. And it has to do about... It really has to do with a couple of things. First of all, if you do the job yourself, you might save money, but only if it comes out right and you don't get hurt. So that's why projects that might involve electricity or plumbing or things of this nature, you may not want to tackle yourself. It might be more cost effective and less aggravation just to have a pro do those types of jobs. Yeah. You know, you mentioned electricity. I mean, electricity is on the lines with things that could cause damage to yourself or your home or others. So something like that where you really don't have a super high confidence level and it could seriously cause some danger like electrocution, you know, death. Mm -hmm, So I try to, you know, avoid some of those things when possible. Like I can swap out a light fixture, but I'm not running new lines to create new outlets. Yeah, good point. Now, the other things to consider is it might take longer to do the job if you do do it yourself. And that could be particularly important with some projects like a bathroom remodel or a kitchen remodel. I mean, you know, you want to get pizza off speed dial and get that kitchen back together as quickly as possible. If you do do it yourself, it might take a lot longer. And finally, you could make really expensive mistakes. I mean, if you order something wrong, you're going to end up having to pay for it. And any savings you had by not hiring it out could be absorbed right then and there. So, you know, really think carefully about whether or not you want to do a project yourself or not. Some things are best left to the pros. All right, you guys, you've got questions. We've got answers. You know, you can reach us on the phone all the time at 888 Pit, or you can post your questions. And I've got one here from Phil in Wisconsin. And Phil writes, my wife turns down the thermostat to 50 degrees when we're all at work. That's for nine hours a day. It takes a while for the house to heat back up when we get home. This person's in Wisconsin. I, I believe it gets pretty <laughs> cold in Wisconsin. Yeah. Am I actually saving money by turning the thermostat that low if my furnace has to work so hard to bring the heat back up? you got a very good point, Phil. And the other thing is, gosh, in Wisconsin, I'm surprised he hasn't had any frozen pipes yet. You know, that's really, really cold. Um, I wouldn't tell you to go down to 50. I might go down to 62, maybe at the lowest. And the other thing is, why not get this on a clock setback thermostat so the house can then heat up, you know, an hour or so before you get home? You know, the newest thermostats today, um, the ones that are smart thermostats, they have a technology called geofencing, which is really cool. The way a geofence works is it knows, the thermostat knows when you're actually physically getting close to home. So you could set it so that, for example, if you're 
10 miles away, 20 miles away. Uh, it will bring the heat up and then the house will be nice and warm when you walk in the door because it knows kind of where your phone is and it can communicate that and know that if you're this distance away, the heat can come on and the house will be nice and warm when you come home. And likewise, it's also helpful that when you leave the house, these geofences know when you're going, they can go down to sort of a lower setting like the 62 or 64 degrees. But I think going down to 50 is really too low, especially in a cold climate like that, because you're going to get a frozen pipe one of these days, and that's going to cause one heck of a mess, believe me. And, you know, and while you enjoy telling your wife, I told you so, you know, we like to see that not happen to you, Phil. So I would suggest that maybe you, you try to find a way to meet in the middle and, and kick that temperature up a bit. Yeah, 62 does seem to be the magic number, because believe me, a burst pipe is going to cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars in damage. So just don't argue, get a clock set back thermostat. You guys will be way happy and warm when you get home. <laughs> This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of the program. If you've got questions, remember you can reach us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT any time of the day or night. If we're not in, we'll call you back the next time we are and maybe answer your question on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 